message out of Luke chapter 13 this morning. There's a story about a man named William Miller. As you go to Luke 13, uh, William Miller uh, was a farmer uh, from... Um, um, he was a farmer and, and this man, what he uh, began to do is he decided after a battle that he had fought in Plattsburgh, the, it was known as the Battle of Plattsburgh. I'm sorry, I'm losing my train of thoughts. Let me get back on, uh, let me get back on tune. Um, so here's a man by the name of William Miller. Uh, he was a World War veteran. And uh, years went by after the Battle of Plattsburgh. But what was so notable about William Miller's life uh, is that he eventually became a Christian. And uh, what was so unique about his life was that he began to read the Bible. And as he began reading the Bible, he began to realize that the Word of God revealed that there was going to be a second coming of Christ. And so he looked forward to the second coming of Christ. He was so uh, looking forward to that. He was uh, aiming to see the imminent return. But as he began to believe this, he read the book of Daniel and he found the scriptures that provided some facts and numbers and dates. And he began to do his own little calculation and he decided that Jesus will return on the 22nd of October, 1844. So his wife told him, you know what, with this revelation that you have, it's about time you tell everyone about it. And so William Miller set out to inform as many people that Jesus was coming back on the 22nd of October, 1844. And as he did this, he went, he told as many people, obviously there were people who rejected him and there were people who accepted what he said. But the point was, and the point is, Jesus didn't return in 1844. Eventually, Miller was so disappointed and he and his followers eventually, many of them turned away from him and walked away from the faith because many believed him. Listen to what I'm saying here. Many believed him. Many trusted the words of William Miller only to be disappointed eventually. And this is where they coined the term. And if you do a search, it is known as the great disappointment. And so, as we consider that, there are some thoughts we can derive from the reality of what's happening. And that is, no doubt, William Miller believed with all his heart there was an expectation in his mind and in his heart. He propagated this, he shared this with the people that surrounded him. And as many people would have assumed, they told, he told the story to them because they or rather he cared for them. And I'm here to tell you that at the point when this didn't materialize, no doubt it was indeed a great disappointment. William Miller had unmet 
expectations. He expected Jesus to return only to result in the time when Jesus, in fact, did not return. And I'm here to tell you, beloved, disappointment comes to surface when we go through unmet expectations. And this can eventually lead to discouragement. You see, life is filled with moments of unmet expectations. Disappointment breeds where there are unmet expectations. In the book of Luke chapter 13, the story and the parable that we're going to read reveals this truth to us. And I want you to look at this with me as we dissect and consider what Jesus is conveying in our text. The Bible says a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and, fi and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well, but if not after that, you can cut it down. Father, I come this morning, God, and I pray you would speak to your church and that you would help us, guide us, open our minds, and encourage us in Jesus' name. Amen. So here in our text, we find a story of a man who had expectations. The Bible reveals to us that he came to his vineyard. He began to plant the fig tree in his vineyard and as he came, he constantly, repeatedly, continually found it unfruitful. He constantly found the tree to be barren. The Bible says for three years he came. And profound word that we find used in our text, he came seeking fruit. He came with an expectation. He came with the sense that every time he showed up, something would have changed about the tree. There would be results that can be evident. There can be, there can be results that will be uh, uh, clearly seen. But according to the text, I want you to catch this. This is what drives disappointment even further. The Bible says he planted it in his vineyard. And the Bible continues in verses 7. He also had hired a keeper to look after the vineyard. The tree was planted it was in the right place which represents the vineyard and he had someone looking after the process of it which tells me he did everything right and yet he didn't see what he expected to see proverbs 24:16 says for a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again but the wicked shall fall by calamity. Disappointments, beloved, can intensify when you've done everything right and you've been doing what you've been told to do. It becomes even more intense to feel disappointed. 
This man came expecting. He came seeking. But we see that his expectation was continually met with disappointment. And this could be true with you and I. We could have been expecting for a family member to get saved. We could have been expecting for a job that we've applied for. We could have been expecting for a business deal to materialize. We could have been expecting for healing to happen, only to be disappointed yet again. And every time we revisit, we reevaluate our lives, we begin to look at the fruit and we are looking to see whether we have indeed bore any fruits. And we come back to the same result over and over again. No fruit. And the reality hits us that there has been no progress. This can be very disappointing. Just like this man who came expecting to find a tree bearing fruit. You see, in the fit of discouragement, our emotions can result in making some very hasty and unwise decisions. The owner of the vineyard responded to this disappointment. He looked at the tree, he looked at the keeper, and he told the keeper, cut it down. What was he saying? He was simply implying, I had enough of this. I'm fed up. I cannot take this anymore. And this is where it moves from disappointment to discouragement. You see, when your emotions begin to get the best of you, when your emotions begin to drive you in making hasty decisions, you begin to cross the line from disappointment to discouragement. And it's very difficult to help a discouraged person. When a person is discouraged, when a person is completely out of juice in a manner that they don't no longer feel that there's hope in life, when they no longer feel that there's a future for them, they begin to process everything very cynically and negatively. The Bible says he told the keeper to cut it down, which represented a sense of being fed up of waiting any longer. He wanted the tree to be removed. Proverbs 13 verses 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. I want to draw your attention to the interesting response of the keeper. You see, the keeper responded by providing some perspective. Listen to me very carefully. We're talking about perspective. Don't cut it down just yet, he says. Leave it alone, number one. Dig around it, number two. And fertilize it again. It's not that this hadn't been done. It's not that this hadn't been uh, uh, fulfilled in the past. It has already been done over and over again. But the keeper decided, you know what? Let's do this again. And I want you to understand, there's a story in the Bible that as the king began to come uh, 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 in warfare, the Bible says if you only hit the sword on the ground one more time, you would have seen victory. 
And I'm here to tell you sometimes we are one shot away from victory. We could be one step away from seeing the breakthrough. We don't know how close we could be. We don't know how near we truly are. Only God knows. But I declare to you, it is never too late for God to move. And it's never too soon that you should give up. And so I want to encourage you this morning because the vineyard represents our lives. Think about it with me. When we examine ourselves, we can begin to uproot and remove. Because we look at our lives and we say, I've not been bearing fruit. I've expected myself to be so far by now at this age. I expected my life to be a lot better than what it is now. We all, have un- we all have expectations. We all have things we have desired to see. We all have things we have desired that would have happened in our lives. But I believe we all need, just like this man, a keeper to remind us that, you know something, it's not too late for God to help us. I think we all need a reminder every once in a while. And I'll declare to you, you know, that's just not promoting, uh, 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 you know, self-help. You know, sometimes we hear people comment, oh, what you need to do is you need some, uh, 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 you know, self-help book that you need to read. Uh, You know, I think self-help is really an oxymoron. (laughs) Why? Because think about it. If I can help myself, why do I need you to help me? You, you, you understand. And so, so many times it's promoted. Oh, you need to do this. You need to, uh, uh, you know, change your lifestyle and adjust this. And, and all of that is well and good. I agree with most of it. But I'm here to tell you, beloved, I am here to declare to you that we need a genuine and honest perspective about what we're going through in life. I've had enough people who comment to me, oh, you just got to keep your mind on the right thing. I know I'm keeping my mind on the right thing, but that's what it's making me depressed. You hear people comment, oh, you know, you just got to have a different type of look and perspective in life. I know, but the point is that's what's making it depressing. And so we hear so much of this. It has helped to a certain extent. But my drive this morning is not just a perspective review. I think it is change of a focus that will help us to see God behind the scene. That's exactly what I want you to understand and see this morning. So let's visit those three profound insights that will in fact help everyone in their seasons of disappointment and discouragement. I can tell you that when my wife and I heard the extension, another two weeks, I was fuming mad. Obviously, I was upset to a certain extent. I I just thought to myself, I said, God, enough is enough. How long do you want us to go through this? And, and, you know, again, you know, as, as much as we are driven by what we are seeing, we also realize that there are many people out there who are in danger with what we are dealing with. And so the fair balance and the fair share of that is to Observe that it is beyond just a decision being made. It is a decision for the well-being of the many people 
We obviously protested at that time as upset or even as you know discouraged and as disappointed we may have felt. We decided that we just have to pick ourselves up because the reality is God is in control of it all. And we have to be mindful about the words we speak. But I believe that this three elements contribute to being of great help to those who are battling disappointment and discouragement. And I think the keeper had something very profound in what he said. Number one, he said, let it alone. Which in essence simply means surrender. What we have to understand, beloved, I don't, I don't know all the uh, circumstances you could potentially be going through right now, but I'm here to tell you, you only can depend and rely on God. There's no one else who's going to help us through this besides God. Because we know and we understand that it is God who intends the best for us. Isaiah 40 verses 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You see, this is a difficult thing to do. Surrendering is a very difficult thing to do. You see, often to surrender, we have to counter our logic and our rationale. We have to identify boundaries. We have to say, you know what, as much as this seems true, as much as this is where we seem to be heading into, as much as this is what we see happening, I have to counter against my logic and rationale and choose to still trust in God. It is an attitude of surrender. It is a posture of the heart to just surrender and give God complete control and access. And say, God, I know in the logic, it looks like this is what is going to happen, but I'm choosing to trust you. I'm choosing to raise the white flag. I cannot do this myself. You need to help me. You see, this is where we need to identify boundaries. I think what helps surrender is oftentimes identifying your boundaries. You see, in the story of this man, he has done what was right. He has done everything that was necessary. Now it was up to God. It was up to God and the keeper at that time to ensure that they continue to do the right thing and God would bless his decision. And this is the truth. When we have done the necessary, we have planted ourselves. We have been doing the right thing. I believe we must just leave it and say, God, I've done my part. Now, you do your part. The second thing this man goes on to say is dig around it. I think this is a profound insight because what we must come to accept or what we must come to realize is we must accept what we are going through for what it is. You see, I tell people nowadays very differently. You know, many times people bottle up their emotions. People begin to retaliate or, and many a times as you deal with people, you realize that the wound or the scar is present from the past. 
something that they've not let go of in the past, something that they've not released in the past. And I'm here to tell you that as Christians, we must learn to grieve. We must learn to pour out our heart to God. We must learn to pour out our feelings to God. We must learn to release. We have to learn to release the pressure valve and say, you know what? Nothing is going to change. I am going to accept it for now because God knows what He's going to do. This is necessary if we're going to carry on and go forward in life. You see, the soil that surrounds the tree, beloved, can get very hard and compacted. You know what that describes? Whenever you try to uh, give it some water, whenever you try to, uh, uh, you know, put some fertilizer on it, or whenever you try uh, to even give it nutrients that it needs, it will never receive it because it's so hard and compacted that it can never get to the root system. And this is the truth. When we keep going through failures, we can begin to develop mindsets, cynical thinking, what are you talking about that is going to get better? I've been going through this for 20 years now. And that can become a hindrance. That can become a blockage. The Bible says, Hosea 10, 12, Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fellow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till He comes and rains righteousness on you. Break up your fellow ground. This word, uh, break up your fellow ground, and then, the, uh, and then the, the prophet goes on and he says, for it is time to seek the Lord. Get back to work. Break up the fellow ground. It's not over yet. We need to keep on pressing. We need to keep on pressing on forward. We need to begin preparing. We don't know what the end result, but the point of the matter is we cannot block our minds from receiving the nutrients that it needs to keep on going forward. You see, that's the strategy of the enemy. He wants to block your mind. He wants to cause worry and fear and anxiety. So much so as God is trying to release His Word into our mind, we are so caught up in the things that we are going through that the Word of God can't even penetrate through our minds because somehow the soil has gotten hard. Break up the fallow ground. Don't get stuck in denial. Face the reality and move forward. Break up the fellow ground. Break up those mindsets. I'm going to stop thinking negatively. I'm going to stop thinking pessimistically. I'm going to stop thinking about just things that cause fear. I am going to start pondering upon what God says. I'm going to break up the fellow ground. I'm going to keep on working until God says it's time to go free. The third thing he says is fertilize it. We're going to close. Fertilize it. And I think this is speaking about equipping your mind. Equipping your mind. Filling your mind. There are growth nutrients that help to strengthen your mind. Take practical steps that will change the environment of your mind. In the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verses 8, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there are any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So the first thing you need to do is you need to cut, you need to break, you need to uh, break up the fellow ground so that your mind becomes open again to the 
the Word of God. And when that happens, you need to choose what you think on. Feed your mind with thoughts that are godly and holy and righteous and are true. Feed your thoughts with good thoughts. Yes, oh, but pastor, the circumstances are proving otherwise. I understand, but God has never changed His mind about us. He still loves us. He still is there with us. He's not left us, nor forsook us, forsaken us. And so when we think of this reality, we realize that God indeed hasn't changed His mind about us. You can change your perspective by changing your thoughts. I talk to some people and I can tell you sometimes the conversation seems so filled with negativity. And I'm not against, uh, uh, um, uh, against the truth of what we're dealing with. But when you begin to bring some perspective, I encourage you, beloved, you've got to open yourself up. There's no way the tree is going to bear fruit if you fail to feed your mind with good things. No way is it going to, as believers, we may see things as hopeless, but we serve a God who can do above and beyond what we ask or imagine. See, do not live in denial. The truth is the truth. But do not let your circumstances blind you from the possibilities of God. See, our perspective is critical in surviving the disappointments of life. What does God see in your disappointments? What does God see in your disappointments? I was reading the story of Samuel Brangel, who was a worker for the Salvation Army. He was walking past a barber one day and someone took a stone, a brick, and threw it at him. Hit his head and the story goes that he ended up in the hospital for some time. And during that time when he was warded in the hospital, it was for quite a, quite a while, I think it was about 18 months, while he was in the hospital, his wife uh, began to encourage him uh, to write a book. And so he wrote a book, the title of the book, I believe, uh, was Helps to Holiness. That was the title of the book. Thousands of copies were published. And from that book, there were many people, their lives who were changed from this man's adversity. He was in the hospital. He was bound. He could not go anywhere. But at that point of time, he experienced a moment with God. And he says these words, If there had been no little break, there had been no little book. And so the truth remains that so often we look at the adversities of life in negative views or negative uh, uh, inclinations. But I'm here to tell you, beloved, in the story of the barren fig tree, one man's disappointment became another man's opportunity to do something. Can I say that again? One man's disappointment became another man's opportunity to do something. You see, often disappointment seen from one angle. Oh, my life is bad. But because of this man's disappointment, the keeper could rise up to do something. If not for his disappointment, 
There would have been a keeper who could not or would not become an instrument. Here was a man who became an encouragement to the disappointed man. Here was a man who became an instrument to help and encourage this man who was disappointed. And I'm here to tell you, beloved, that that is the reality of life, that at one man's disappointment, another man could rise up. And I don't know about you, but I am excited at the possibility when I look at it from this angle that who could potentially rise up from what we are going through right now. In fact, not only is that the case, but who could be protected? Because here we are, we are dealing with what we're dealing with. Who could be protected possibly? Who could be kept safe possibly? Who could potentially be in the right place at the right time because of what we are going through right now. So I'm here to tell you the broader perspective is that life is more than just you. The German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche said, that which does not kill you makes you stronger. And so we're not going to die. If there's anything, we're going to probably come out stronger. I thank God for the help God has given us. I thank God He's protected us in many ways that we cannot even process. But our disappointments and our unmet expectation could be saving, protecting, and helping someone else. So you being at home right now could be benefiting someone else not for the bad i know we always think oh yeah sure i'll be benefiting them for the bad reasons you know but i'm here to tell you for the better we have no clue at how our seasons of life are influencing someone else and this is how we have to start viewing and having perspective about the barren tree every one of us has a barren tree Every one of us have unmet expectations. Every one of us have done the right thing, but yet we face unmet expectations. But can I encourage you, do not limit your thinking. For our lives could indeed be a greater blessing now than it has ever been in the past. I read the story about a Philadelphia congregation as they watched Three nine-year-old boys, three nine-year-old boys baptized and joined the church. Yet not long after their baptism, unable to deal with the dwindling membership, the church sold the building and disbanded. But that one of the boys, his name was Tony Campolo, who is now an author, he remembers years later when I was doing research in the archives of our denomination, I decided to look up the church report for my year of baptism. There was my name and Dick White's. Now, Dick White is a missionary. Then the other third boy, his name was Bert Newman, now a professor of theology at an African seminary. Then I read the church report for my year. Indeed, it was not a good year for our church. We lost 27 members. Three joined, and they were only children. But you see, in the disappointment and in the face of adversity, there was indeed 
the influence and the impact in three young men who became world shakers one day. And so my point to you this morning is this. As much as we murmur and complain about our unmet expectations, can I call your attention to understand and to see it the way God sees it? Because of one man's disappointment, another man rose to the plate to be a help and encouragement to this disappointed man. Your adversity, your struggle, your unmet expectation could potentially be a blessing to someone else you have not even met. And so stay true. It's not worth it to allow emotions to get us right now. Let's stay strong and let's keep our perspective right. Because at the end, remember, God owns it all. Bow your heads for a few moments as we close.